Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Auz billahi minash shaitanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Dear listeners, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all and welcome to the Thursday's drive time show here from the Voice of Islam Radio from London. You're joined by myself, Salman, and uh, uh, Brother Raheel, and we shall be with you, God willing, over the roughly two hours, going till 6 p.m., inshallah, God willing. You can get in touch with us um, through our number, which is 0208-687-7878, or you can also speak to us via our socials, which is Voice of Islam UK. This is at Voice of Islam UK. Um, as always, we are bringing two very interesting, very important topics to you today. Um, the first one being global warming. And in the second hour, we will be uh, carrying on with our series of uh, prophets. Today, we will be talking about Prophet Moses, alayhi salatu wassalam. May peace be upon him. Brother Rahil, assalamu alaikum. How are you doing today? Alhamdulillah. How are you? Good Alhamdulillah. You. Uh, very well. Um how are you feeling? How's the Cricket World Cup going? I've not watched any game. Oh, you haven't watched anything no, yet? No, no, no. I've only seen just highlights and uh, what are, you, you update me? What's, what's yeah, it's, 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 it's quite interesting. Um, I think right now it's, it's probably one of the biggest upsets. Um, South Africa is beating Australia. Not mm. just beating them, but they were down six wickets in with, for the first 50 runs or something. Interesting. So, yeah. Uh, so who are you rooting for? I mean, obviously, I'm rooting for Pakistan, mm-hmm. and then and then India. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> no, then then probably England. Yeah. Okay. Uh, since Germany doesn't play cricket, so global warming. So obviously, you 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 might have heard that there is no planet B, mm-hmm. but how much thought do we actually give it? Um, I mean, if if we think about it, we have not been friendly to the one and only human friendly planet that God provided us with, right? Mm-hmm. Human beings uh, have tried to create many uh, things, but unlike God, we are unable to create in in, in, in in perfection. And this is also something that's been mentioned in the, in the Holy Quran that uh, let alone the world, we aren't even even able to to create something as 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 the wing of a fly, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So, let alone uh, talking about the, uh, the 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 world in general. <clears throat> Now, um, many times we forgot to weigh the the pros and cons. We forgot to factor in the byproduct and how to dispose it of. Thus, these byproducts as greenhouse gases, which is mainly uh, carbon dioxide, become uh, pollutants uh, is released into the air as we produce in our factories. As a result, we have thrown off the balance of the ecosystem and the temperature of the earth in rising, giving birth to all kinds of natural disasters. 
So, uh, dear listeners, join us uh, today <coughs> as we discuss the current situation and what is being done to re- uh, restore uh, our one and only planet. Uh, we'll be sure to shed light um, the teachings of Islam regarding this topic. And this obviously has always been the main objective, as, as is the name of the radio, it is the voice of Islam. So, whatever topic we discuss, we will always give an, uh, the, the, the perspective uh, of of the Islamic teachings in in this regard. Yep. So, Rahil, tell us a little more about global warming. I mean, global warming, uh, you know, as 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 we know, and as you've mentioned, is is one of the most pressing issues, um, you know, facing humanity today. It's it's consequences such as, you know, rising temperatures, melting ice caps, to you know, extreme weather events, and we feel it. I mean, you know, threaten the very existence of life on Earth, and in this. Uh, in the face of these crises, you know, various religious traditions, including Islam, you know, have a role to play in promoting environmental consciousness and sustainable practices. <clears throat> and so, uh, not only we'll discuss, you know, statistics and speak to our guests, but we'll also explore the Islamic perspective on on, on global warming with with, with with reference to the verses of the Quran, the sayings and actions of the, of the Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, uh, to basically highlight the faith's teachings on environmental stewardship um global warming you know according to european scientists uh 2023 is on is on track to be the hottest year in human history um that's stated by independent uh, bbc also explains how climate change worsens you know heat wave droughts uh, wildfires and and you know and floods um heat waves you know speaking of heat waves the earth is going through more frequent and and, and longer lasting heat waves you know september 2023 uh, was the warmest September on record globally with an average air temperature of 16.38, uh, um, you know, uh, centigrade, nearly, you know, one centigrade hotter than the average between mm-hmm. 1991 and 2020. And, and you know, you, you know, you might just say one centigrade, that doesn't make a difference, but in reality it does. Um, you know, France, Germany and the UK all recorded the hottest ever September last month. And and also warm weather expected to continue in in October. Although today it's quite, uh, you know, not windy, but you know, it's yeah. it's, it's been raining throughout mm-hmm. the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, according to what World Weather WWA is called the World Weather Attribution Network, the intense heat waves that hit southern Europe and southern U.S. and Mexico in July 2023 would have been virtually impossible without human-caused climate change. <coughs> um, you see what it is, man. We've done <laughs> numerous programs on, on climate change. And I mean, I remember doing quite a few here. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you, you've probably been part of yeah. you know, many as well. It just gets quite dis- dis- distressing in a way, speaking about a topic where nothing practically is practically has been done. It's just mere talk. Mm. To be very honest with you, mm. you know, mm. um, whatever... You know, whatever sort of targets that every country places in front of them, would do we have ever try? Do we even try to reach them? You know, uh, apart from the fact that you know you've got you less charge and less charge. <laughs> you know, different um, you know ways in uh, you know in 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 you know reaping I profits. And this has been a huge thing in London. Hmm. Has been a great. Um, you probably know of it as well. Backlash I, I, on. I, I, I think it's perfect that you mentioned this in, in regards to what 
well, it's it's being done from the government's point of view, especially. Yeah. Uh, because we have on the line with us mm. our first uh, guest caller, which is um, Samuel Frankhauser, who is a professor of climate uh, economics and policy at the Smith School, University of Oxford, and research director of uh, Oxford Net Zero. Professor Frankhauser, thank you very much for joining us, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Um, so we are uh, discussing um, global warming and climate change today. And we were just speaking about this uh, specific thing. And I would like to ask you to, to start with, do you think that the government arrangements for climate change are in line with the public interests? Well, they have been for a long time, if you sort of look back 10 years plus, but they are not at the moment. I think what's happening at the moment is that the the government is, is sort of trying to turn climate change into a political issue, uh, an issue where there's a difference between the two parties. Whereas in the, in the last decade or so, uh, we have made good progress because there has been consensus across the political spectrum that we, that we have to do things. We haven't done enough, but we've done uh, you know, some progress, in, particularly in the power sector, and that's been done on the basis of, of consensus. We are now sort of entering a phase where parties artificially try to create disagreement, and that's, that's not good. Mm-hmm. Um, how how do you see uh, the UK government approach towards the net zero by 2025? It's uh, it's the statutory obligation is net zero by 2050. So we have a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. Um, we have um, the, the sort of the task of uh, reaching net zero by 2050 is sort of split into five year periods. We have five year carbon budgets that sort of add up. Each, each five years we have a, a, a lower budget and eventually we will reach net zero. And the first four of those budgets, the first three or four of those budgets, we have met. So we have made progress. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is a worry that now that the difficult things are starting, we, we are starting to slow down. We've done The progress we have made has been on the back of cleaning up electricity generation. We, we have got rid of coal in the power sector and, and gone heavily into offshore wind in particular Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's made the power sector much cleaner than it used to be right but we now have to move into transport we have to move into buildings we have to move into industry and we have to move into agriculture so there's a lot yet to come interesting and um you know if what happens uh i mean is 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 a question if net zero is not achieved well, it's, uh, it's, it's sort of important thing to know is that there isn't a sort of a, an on-off switch. You know, it's not like missing a train and then if you miss it, uh, it's gone. It's sort of a continuous uh, fight that we have against climate change. And if we don't reach net zero in 2050, we will try to do it in 2055. We will try to do it in 2060. But each one of those five years of delay will make the impact of climate change uh, that little bit more more painful, that little bit harder, and, and we sort of increase the risk of tipping points. So it, it isn't sort of a, a, a yes, no, but with, with, with every year of delay, we make the risks bigger. And um, for, 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 for our common listeners, how much investment is actually needed um, to, to tackle the, the climate change issue? And uh, are we really um, investing enough into this? 
Oh, the investment needs are huge. You measured them in tens of, of billions. But mm-hmm. there's a, there's a, that sounds like a big number, but you have to put it in, into perspective. Uh, first of all, um, we, we are already investing a lot into you know conventional infrastructure, into conventional power stations, into conventional cars. So a lot of that investment is, is just doing uh, spending the money on different things rather than spending more money. There's a little bit more money involved as well, uh, but that is also money that pays back. If you look at an electric car or if you look at a solar panel, um, those things are expensive to buy. So you have a lot of upfront costs. But once you have had those upfront costs, um, uh, panels are cheap to run and electric cars are cheap to run. So you save money once you've gone through that initial hump of spending, you save money. And over the lifetime of a solar panel or the lifetime of an electric car, increasingly people are better off. And uh, you know, speaking of uh, developed countries, if uh, developed countries are taking, let's say, a slow start towards renewable energy, then how do you see developing nations? Uh, you know, what should we accept from them? Uh, expect from them? Yeah, that that's a difficult question because climate change isn't uh, you know there's a lot of unfairness in climate change in yep. the sense that um those countries and those people who have emitted most are probably less vulnerable than than the countries and people who have emitted least um, but it's you know renewable energy is, a, is is an opportunity uh particularly for for low-income countries uh, in 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 developing countries there's huge uh, energy needs there's, there's energy access needs. There's six, seven hundred million people without access to electricity, and renewable energy is actually a, a wonderful, beautiful way of, of solving that electricity access problem, because it's modular. Uh, it doesn't have to be necessarily connected to the grid. It can be sort of off-grid, insulated, and and uh, it can and can sort of respond to small demands. So renewable energy. In developing countries, isn't you know isn't isn't a, a cost. It, it really is an opportunity, but it's a it's an opportunity that obviously comes with complications. It needs skill, it needs finance, it needs changes to uh, to the way the power sector is run and so on. But uh, people talk not enough about the opportunity of renewables. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you see, so some of the information that, that we're getting on the internet these days and on social media, um, it, it, they, they make it seem like it's maybe too late to stop global warming. What's your take on this? Well, it, as I tried to say before, it's never too late. Mm-hmm. You know, if we, if we don't, it, it's getting quite late to, to reach the, the original target, which was agreed in Paris uh, seven, eight years ago, which was to limit global warming to one and a half degrees extra warming above pre-industrial temperature levels it's getting quite tight to to stick to that one and a half degrees target but if we can't do one and a half degrees we will try 1.6 and 1.7 and 1.8 i think we can still remain well below two degrees which was sort of the the second target in 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 the paris agreement Uh, that's still very much on the cards but we we have to uh, we have to accelerate what we are doing that's not just in the uk that's global mm-hmm. um thank you very much uh professor frank for being with us and sharing this um information with us um i hope that has helped uh it definitely helped us and i hope our listeners uh benefit from this as well thank you very much
Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Um, so we were just speaking with um, Professor Samuel Frankhauser, who is a professor of climate uh, economics and policy at the Smith School, University of Oxford, and mm-hmm. also a research director at Oxford uh, Net Zero. Um, please do reach out to us if you have to say something, if you have a question to ask. Um, our number is 0208-687-7878. That is 0208-687-7878. You can also speak with us through our socials uh, at Voice of Islam UK. <coughs> and on our social media, we've all, all also asked a question to you. Yeah. Um, you can go, again, to our social media and answer the question, which is, are you worried about global global warming i think the uh answer would be very uni- unanimous but let's see uh we will inshallah be revealing the uh whatever the the the, the poll says towards the end of the hour <clears throat> so uh Raheel, you were mentioning uh in in regards to global warming and what the scientists yeah. had said about 2023 and 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 i think we have witnessed uh this um and and the summer period seems to have extended all the way through October already, right? Mm. So that's again a, a sign of global warming, isn't it? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, one of the things, uh, you know, um, was interesting with, with regards to, you know, transition that we, we sort of require from developing countries, mm. you know, mm. towards uh, more renewable resources and stuff. Yeah. I mean, the transi- transition, and that's what we are, uh, that's what the professor was, you know, alluding to earlier, that, that the transition... Um, you know, is undoubtedly a, you know a critical need. Um, you know, it's 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 crucial for mitigating the uh, in, in you know environmental impact. Mm-hmm. You know, of uh, fossil fuels, but it is uh, also you know um, important to so sort of a- acknowledge the sort of you know inherent unfairness that we see. You know, of expecting um, you know development uh, developing countries to uh, prioritize uh, you know renew- renewables uh, when when they're sort of struggling. To meet their basic food needs, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, and and you know, ma- many of these countries are s- grappling with severe poverty, yeah. inadequate you know infrastructure, food insecurity, and so that it, ma- it actually makes it unjust to place a sole burden of climate action on on their shoulders. Now we're living in the West, right? We're, li- we're living in the UK. Changing our normal car to a Tesla or anything else. That's a luxury, my friend. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. that choice is a luxury. Yes. It's not. It's it's not something that anyone can do. Yeah. So at this moment in time, we're 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 at a, we're, we're at a time and place where going towards a renewable option costs a lot of money. Yeah. Right. So yeah. so I think uh, th- this is not an easy sort of change for people to to do, and that's why I was mentioning Yulas as well. Um, mm-hmm. People to give up their normal cars, the new the the, the newer cars. I mean, we know what the car price, car car prices are, and what people yes. are going through. Yes. So that I mean, that whole in you know that whole concept in itself, you know, it, it sort of puts into perspective, you know, where where we stand in terms of. We, uh, we don't have the <coughs> the right sort of conditions. Yeah. To proceed with this, um, and 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 you very rightfully mentioned the developing countries. I mean, um. Being able to do something is one thing. They don't even have the concept of climate change. That's what I'm saying. Right? I mean, they, they they struggle to put the food on the table, yeah. you know, in, yes. Like, yes. in the first place. So, so if 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 a man has the choice between putting the food on the table for his starving children mm. or saving the planet, he will say, "Well, let me save my children first, and then I'll look after the planet afterwards." Yeah. Right? Fair enough. Mm. It is what it is. So, 
Um, some of the things that we have been seeing is, for instance, the heat waves, right? <coughs> yep. So the Earth is now going through more frequent and longer-lasting heat waves. Um, September 23, uh, which has gone by very recently, was the warmest September on record globally with an average air temperature of uh, 16.38 degrees, nearly one uh, centigrade degree hotter than the average between 1991 and 2020. France, Germany and the UK all recorded their hottest ever September last month. And that reminds me, because we were just speaking about this uh, a few days ago, um, the auxiliary organizations of the Ahmadiyya community had their annual conventions over the past three weekends. Yeah. And all of them went beautifully well because the weather weather was amazing. Now, that's obviously amazing within itself, but that also goes to show mm-hmm. that uh, this the, the the weather is not what it's supposed to be or what it used to be like. Mm-hmm. Um, now, according to the World <coughs> Weather Attribution Network, which is the WWA, the intense heat waves that hit southern Europe and the southern US and Mexico in July 2023 would have been virtually impossible without human-caused climate change. Um, that speaks volumes about our contribution towards climate change and the, the, the kind of change uh, we can bring about if humanity really was united. And it's obviously if, 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 if certain uh, criteria were met for everyone to be able to contribute towards this change. Um, another thing is uh, the wildfires. Raheel, if you want to talk about this. Yeah, of course. I mean, extreme long-lasting heat you know, draws moisture t- out of the ground and vegetation, and this fuels fires which can spread at an incredible speed, and which we've seen, you know, mm. over the past few years, uh, whether in Australia or in Europe. Uh, you know, especially with, with, with strong wind, uh, Canada is also experiencing its 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 worst uh, wildfire season on record, mm. with 176 thousand square kilometers. That's 43.5 million acres already burnt. Wow. And so this tells you, you know, puts into perspective that the you know the the you know the consequences of of climate change and you know global warming. Yeah, that, exactly. That we see in front of our eyes. Droughts are also a huge problem. Oh, yes, yes. As you know, heat waves can also worsen droughts by drying our soil. Uh, and this makes the you know air above warm uh, air above warm warm up more quickly, mm-hmm. and leading to more intense heat. Now, f- for every one centigrade rise in average temperature, that the atmosphere can hold about seven percent of moisture. So, in this again, then would we will, you know we'll be speaking about heavy rainfall, flooding, and all of these issues mm-hmm. are very much linked with uh, you know with. Climate change and global warming. Absolutely, and this can result in more, you know, droplets and heavier rainfall, as as, as you're mentioning. Sometimes in a shorter space of time and over a smaller area. And we've seen, like, sometimes the rain. It, it looks like a month of rain has just fallen in, you know, in in a day. Yes, right? yes, exactly. Out, out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, so these patterns kind kind of you know indicate you know where, where we are in terms of climate change. Recently, Lib- Libya was faced devastating floods. Uh, Pakistan also, I think last year it was, or was was it earlier this year? The, the, the in Pakistan, the floods yes, that took yes, place. Yes, yes, this year, exactly, uh, yes. Because of extreme rainfall and two major, major dams, uh, dam co- uh, you know, collapsed in Libya, the the heavy rainfall was made up to 50 times more likely by human-caused climate change. Um, so, you know, all of these issues that we see are there, but the question is, what does Islam say on it? 
Mm-hmm. I think we will speak about this yep. in in more detail in a little while. Well, let's uh, speak with our uh, guest caller uh, first. Who's on the line with us? Uh, we are speaking with uh, F- uh, Phil Paolo, who is the Tree Council Head Major mm-hmm. uh, in Tree Planting. Uh, Phil, thank you very much for being with us, and, tra- uh, and welcome to the Drive Time Show. Thank you. Good afternoon. Thanks for inviting me. Um, so, how do uh, natural disasters affect our forests? Um, well, I mean, forests are, they are kind of quite delicate and valuable ecosystems. So natural disasters can have quite a significant impact. So obviously, we're, we're all becoming aware that we're seeing a lot more floods globally. Um, we've had some real recent incidences of quite severe forest fires, for example, in Australia and California and Greece. Uh, and obviously, those sorts of occurrences can have really significant impacts on forests and woodlands. But it's not it's not just the trees themselves, it's the actual ecosystems as a whole that can be damaged. So obviously, with, with flooding, um, you've got a large amount of soil loss and soil erosion kind of resulting from the flooding. And that has a big impact on the whole of the ecosystem itself, as well as washing away the trees, you're washing away all that fertility. Um, it's going to limit kind of um, trees going back into that area later on. And in terms of things like fires, obviously, sometimes fires, when they're low intensity, can actually be quite beneficial for forests. So they can be quite regenerative um, and lead to regrowth and actually um, increase fertility. But it, we're getting more and more instances where we're getting these high severity um, forest fires, which can burn very, very hot, it's very, very high temperatures. And again, they're not just on the forest floor, they're really the, the forest floor and they're going up into the canopy. So they can have quite a devastating impact for both trees, forests, wildlife, biodiversity and the quality of the soil as well. So they can have quite a significant impact on our trees. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, how quickly can um, reforestation reverse the damage of deforestation? It's it's a slow process, I'm sure, as everyone appreciates. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, reforestation may not always be the answer, potentially. So one of, one of the things that the Tree Council really um, promotes is making sure that you get the, you know, the right tree in the right location. And this kind of includes trees outside of woodlands, trees in inver- urban environments. And we're also very interested in kind of the the agricultural landscape as well. So a lot of the deforestation that we see going on across the across the globe is really as a result of trying to put in quite intensive agricultural systems. Um, and actually, some of the you know some of the positive steps that can be taken to address climate change around looking really looking at our farming systems, and maybe moving a little bit more towards regenerative farming. Um, so we're kind of moving away from monocrop. Um, which again tend to actually rob the soil um, of its nutrients and its quality and move, moving a bit more towards more sympathetic sustainable systems that might have a range of different plant types um, within them. So again, I don't think it's a it's always a clear um, clear answer to say let's just plant lots more trees and that's going to be our solution. I think trees really have to be seen as part of bigger environmental improvements across a range of habitats and it's really around creating a mosaic of habitats that are going to help us through the climate crisis rather than trees alone. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what are the um, key policies uh, we should adopt to save trees? Um, well, I mean, there's 
there's a big drive at the moment. Obviously, everyone everyone's aware there's a big drive both nationally and internationally to kind of protect trees and get more trees in the ground. So in the UK here, we've got the, the England Tree Action Plan, um, and that pretty much sets out the, the government's objectives um, to see increased woodland and tree cover um, by 2025. Um, sadly, we're, we're a little bit behind on those targets. So there's a lot really that everybody can do to try and really, you know, help the UK meet its targets around tree planting. And I think it's important to remember, you know, tree planting, it's, it's just one of those steps in the journey um, to kind of get towards net zero. And again, you know, there are, there are much bigger changes that we can make around our, you know, our carbon emissions um, and actually looking at things like our transport and our food systems. But, you know, tree, trees and planting more trees play a really, really important element of that. Um, something, something the Tree Council is very passionate about is thinking about actually our existing tree cover um, and existing green infrastructure assets. So obviously a lot of people focus on let's get more trees in the ground and plant more trees. But we've obviously got, you know, some really valuable mature trees that as well as, you know, helping us to capture carbon, um, they're also great heritage assets within the UK. So, you know, they've got a much greater value um, than purely their carbon capturing potential. So we're really keen to see a little bit more investment in safeguarding um, those existing trees. Um, and we're really keen to see um, kind of investment put into supporting the establishment of trees once they're planted. Um, sadly, there have been a number of um, kind of cases in the press recently where maybe big planting schemes haven't had the um, the care and attention and the aftercare um, that they need. So that's why the, the, the Tree Council really sort of promotes within the, um, the resources and the guidance that we produce the importance of assisting the establishment of trees in those early years. So really the first three to five years of a tree's lifetime from being planted, it's really important that it gets that additional establishment and aftercare to make sure it's successful. Because um, again, we don't really want to see lots of trees planted, both you know, both locally within the UK and internationally, that are just going to decline. Because actually, that's going to lead to quite a lot of wastage, uh, and again, more carbon as a result. Interesting. Um, and also, um, you know, we, we, we were also you know speaking to our previous guests and, and and speaking about climate change. One of the questions that we also wanted to ask you was: um, Are we investing enough to to sort of counter the issues of climate change are, are, are we doing enough in your opinion to you know to counter the issue of climate change no i think there's i think there's an awful lot more um that we can do so i think i think you know alongside the environmental benefits um such as tree planting investing in our, our environment and nature mm -hmm. i think there's also a vast amount of things that we can do around <clears throat> our transport system so obviously encouraging people to move away from their cars, mm. move on to move on to public transport, and maybe that's something that could be achieved with better subsidies yep. for public transports. So I think that could make some quite radical radical differences. Um, and I think you know I, th I think the general public would be quite open to you know to investing in some of these measures. So I feel the you know the vast majority of UK taxpayers probably wouldn't be opposed to having an extra penny on the pound mm. if they knew that that was going to be invested purely in you know climate change initiatives be that you know through transport infrastructure or the uh, the natural environment as well so you know I I think there's quite big steps that we could take around regulation um as well so mm. I think you know, there's been quite a few instances where we've seen 
damage to the natural environment, whether this has been through um, kind of pollution, uh, potentially, you know, there's a lot of issues around our, our river catchments and river networks at the moment. And I think actually, if we invested a little bit more in kind of having tougher regulations and potentially, you know, a little bit more scrutiny of the system and some bit more enforcement, um, I think actually that would go a long way to making sure that some of those changes that have been put into policy mm-hmm. will actually be delivered on as well. Um, I mean, another area, I think there's quite a lot of opportunity within the um, within the development framework and the planning systems as well. And it would be really great if we can see actually, you know, a lot of our planning, planning guidance giving us a lot more biodiversity net gain. Um, so I think the current, the current regs that are due to come into force in January um, are going to be looking for a 10% biodiversity net gain um, from development. But I think, you know, a lot of organisations would really like to see that a little bit higher. Um, sort of moving more up to the 20% biodiversity net gains. And it means that we can actually incorporate things like trees and improved habitats into all new developments. Mm-hmm. So we're actually getting much greener, more pleasant places to live. Um, but then we're actually meeting some of those those biodiversity and tree cover um, objectives at the same time. Um, but again, I think that's where there needs to be a bit, a bit more investment, um, both in actually kind of the, the guidance and the resources available but then also actually a bit more investment in the um, in the policing and the governance of that too. Interesting. And lastly, uh, how do you uh, you know plan on saving new trees from natural disasters? Um, well, again, you know, I I think it's the the key thing is like having the right tree in the right place, mm-hmm. and that's something that the Tree Council um, really really promotes very strongly. That it's not just a question of let's just plant more trees. Mm-hmm. It's really thinking about you know the circumstances and the situation, and making sure that you're getting the right trees for that location that are going to improve the habitat rather than causing issues and liabilities later on. And I think again, when we're looking at maybe areas of the developing world where there's been deforestation, uh, you know, in order to actually bring in agriculture quite intensive agriculture i think there's maybe an opportunity to look at um again more sustainable and regenerative agricultural systems Mm -hmm. that will hopefully then provide protective buffers for some of the areas where you're going to be re-establishing establishing more woodland so trees are great actually for you know for regulating habitat as well so within the uk the tree council's um promoting lots of lots of schemes that are looking to address some of the the flooding issues that we're having here in the uk because trees can provide that great function of slowing slowing the surface water runoff Mm -hmm. and aiding absorption of trees so they can be great in riparian areas to protect our rivers but then at the same time, you know, there are there are great opportunities by um, re-wetting peat habitats that can be absolutely fantastic carbon sinks. And we're actually exploring whether we can, you know, whether there's going to remove trees from those environments where they are actually alien. So trees will get in when the peat bogs are drained, you'll get tree establishment. Because those are circumstances where actually you've got a tree in the wrong place and you're achieving much greater biodiversity benefits by removing them and reinstating that peat habitat. So I think it's really, really important. And, you know, it's important to remember that trees aren't suited for every location. um, And you really need to look at the value of the habitats that's there. And it might be that, you know, trees, you have a very strategic plan for where you're going to plant trees and which location. Perfect. Um, Phil, thank you very much uh, for being with us and sharing this uh, invaluable uh, information 
with our listeners today and i wish you a lovely day thank you thank you very much you're very welcome thank you bye bye so we just spoke uh with uh, phil paolo who is um the tree council head major for tree planting and uh, he shared with us with some of the very uh information uh, very important information in in regards to to the climate change the global warming as well um as we spoke about the reforestation and the damages of deforestation which are obviously very very long lasting um again um as i mentioned earlier you can also contribute to our show today um just call us on 02086877878 or uh, use our socials um to get in touch with us uh, which is at voice of islam uk and you can also answer the question uh, of today which is that um, are you afraid or are you worried about climate change let us know what you think about this um so before uh we went to our guest caller rahil yeah um you were going to speak about the importance of mother earth in in islam of course yes so um you know one of the fundamentals um uh, you know when when we did when we're discussing global warming in islam um is 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 the perspective given by uh the primary sources which are the quran and the hadith you know the sayings of the prophet uh, and quran being the holy book of islam the word of god Uh, it contains various uh, numerous verses that emphasize the importance of uh, respecting and preserving environment and one of the fundamental principles of islam is the concept of khilafa which is uh, stewardship you know over the earth and in surah al-bab surah al-baqara verse 2164 this uh, is chapter 2 verse 164 it stated indeed in the creation of the heavens and the earth and the alternation of the night and day are signs for those of understanding Now this verse encourages believers to reflect on the beauty and uh, uh complexity of the natural world and recognize their responsibility in preserving it and also in surah ar-rum which is chapter 30 verse 41 uh, it is mentioned corruption has appeared throughout the land and sea by reason of what the hands of people have earned so he may let them taste part of the consequence of what they have done that perhaps they will return to righteousness now this verse warns against the consequences of you know human actions that lead to environmental degradation and also urges us to you know uh, uh, to, to to actually correct our behavior and also there are numerous you know sayings of the prophet peace be upon him as mm-hmm. well you know in addition to the quranic verses which which um, you know provide specific guidance on environmental stewardship now the prophet peace be upon him um you know demonstrated uh, not just through his words but through his actions most importantly and his teachings the importance of taking care of the earth and one well known hadith a saying of the prophet peace be upon him emphasizes the responsibility um, you know of humans as stewards of the environment he says the world is sweet and green and verily allah is going to install you as a vicegerent in it in order to see how you act this is from sahih muslim mm. so this this also you know emphasizes hadith also emphasizes highlights the idea that humans are interested with the earth and will be held accountable and that's the most important part you'll be held accountable for how you treat it and it is clear call for environmental responsibility and you know sustainable living Absolutely. there's much more you can discuss on this but this, this is a brief uh, you know outline now if we look at the uk's current situation Mm-hmm. Um Reuters report that uh, Britain leads the G7 in slashing output 
of climate uh, warming gases, reducing emissions by 49% mm-hmm. between 1990 and 2022 with cutting down on coal, um, obviously being the biggest driver. Mm-hmm. Uh, but recently, the British government approved the uh, development of a huge oil and gas field in the North Sea when, uh, Wednesday. Uh, it is the largest uh, undeveloped oil and gas field in the North Sea, which effectively means more fossil fuel usage. It has some people asking now, uh, has Britain lost its climate crown? And uh, I think this is uh, something our first guest caller, uh, Dr. Um, Professor Frank House, mentioned as well, that um, our policies and whatever the government was doing up to 10 years ago was mm-hmm. very beneficial, but things uh, seem to have uh, gone the wrong direction in the past few years. Um, as the elections are now getting close, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is being uh, lenient on his policy regarding reaching the net zero emissions by 2050. He plans to delay the target to ban sales of uh, new gas and diesel cars by five years, which will now come into force in 2035 rather, rather than 2030, uh, and a nine-year delay on phasing out gas boilers. However, uh, it received backlash from climate activists, businesses, uh, as car manufacturers and the energy industry. A Green um, MP, Carolyn Lucas, writes in The Guardian, um, Sunak's net zero U-turn is so toxic that it's uh, United Greens and car manufacturers against him. Well, I mean, this is obviously very odd that manufacturers and <laughs> greens are both going against uh, the, the, the one person at the same time. Businesses are overwhelmed as they need uh, to stable uh, need stable policies to invest in green technologies, scientists and um, campaign groups. So, uh, I mean, this is the, the current situation and we can obviously see that um, uh, agendas and, and politics and uh diplomatic statements have a lot to do again with this topic yep. like with any other super important topic whether it be the developing countries poverty uh, weapons uh, medical industry whatever there is there is always going to be um, some sort of uh, advantage that certain people would want to gain out of a certain situation but Islam teaches us that whatever we do it has to be uh, in moderation Mm-hmm. The Holy Quran states, and those uh, who, when they spend, are neither extravagant nor niggardly, but moderate between the two. This is from uh, chapter 25, verse 68. Um, Islam has prescribed moderation in all walks of life. Moderation should be used when taking our share of resources. Allah Almighty says, eat and drink, but do not be excessive. Uh, what is happening nowadays is injustice. Developed countries uh, taking more than uh, their fair share. Most of the resources are being uh, extracted from developing nations, but they are not being paid their fair share in return. And I mean, if, if we just uh, look at the situation of Africa and how it has been exploited yep. by major, major European countries um, over the past two, three centuries, and it is still ongoing till date, uh, it is beyond... Uh, imagination uh, and of, 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 of how low a human can really fall. Islam, again, on the other hand, teaches that there should be justice for all creation. Uh, Allah the Almighty says, and he has set the sea, uh, he has set the earth for uh, his creatures. 
this verse shows that his earth for, uh, is for all his creation. The powerful does not get to take more than the weak. It also shows that a human being is not the only creation. Other creation also has a right over their land. Human beings are not to destroy habitats um, for their advancements. Now, God Almighty has um, creation in the ocean, in the forests, on the land. So we must be careful not to harm any creation by polluting their habitat or destroying them. And th this is something, and we have spoken about this uh, time and time again, as Raheel was mentioning earlier as well, mm -hmm. that even in the time of the Prophet, whenever the Muslims went out for a battle, there were clear instructions that certain um, lives or certain um, um, agricultural uh, things or buildings were just not to be touched because yeah. they were there to preserve um, longevity of 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 um, our earth and 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 and, and humanity. And if the Prophet sallam uh, had had such um, um, criteria fifteen hundred years ago. Today, with all the information that we have and uh, all the awareness that we have, we are still struggling to somehow follow this, which is very um, saddening and, and worrying. Um, I, I, I want to add to this just 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 quickly. You, me you, you mentioned the idea of justice, right? I mean, His Holiness, the current Khalifa of, of the Amdiyam Singh community, has been speaking about this issue for the last decade or more. Mm. Um, you know, one of the, the one of the articles in front of me is is, is actually from his address. Uh, from 2018's Peace Symposium, and it, it, I mean, the, it was titled "Fundamentals of Establishing Lasting Peace." Mm -hmm. um, you know, in 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 which you know His Holiness he began you know with uh, you know this was 900 uh, or so guests that he you know uh, with an audience of 900 from 31 different countries that he addressed. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he basically urged the world leaders and, and, and governments to change their priorities and help ease the suffering of people in de in developing nations. And he says, uh, vehemently, uh, condemning the international arms trade and said that those nations who were producing weapons being used in war-torn countries had blood on their hands. And he also said that the children bo born into extreme poverty in areas of conflict were easily invulnerable targets uh, for terrorist recruiters. And he also spoke about, um, most importantly, uh, you know, the idea of spreading peace and to promote mutual respect and tolerance. He said, our faith demands us to try and urge people in all parts of the world, whether rich or poor, whether powerful or oppressed, whether religious or irreligious, towards peace and justice. And then he says, uh, with regards to global priorities, he added, in recent times, one of the issues that many politicians and intellectuals have debated and, ca and campaigned about it about is climate change, and specifically a reduction in carbon emissions. Certainly, striving to protect environment and to look after our planet is an extremely uh, precious and noble cause. Yet, at the same time, the developed world and this, and especially the world leaders, world's leaders should also realize that there are other issues that must be tackled with the same urgency. And then he said, people living in world's poorest nations do not concern themselves with environment, as you were speaking about earlier, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or the la latest figures on carbon emissions. Rather, they wake up each day wondering if they will be able to feed their children. Yeah. Highlighting the long-term consequences of poverty, he said, we must not consider such hardship as other people's problems. Instead, we must realize that the result of such poverty has severe implications for the wild, uh, wider world and directly affects global peace and security. Uh, the fact that children have no option but to spend their days collecting water for their families means that they are unable to go to school 
or to attain any form of education, they are stuck in a vicious cycle of illiteracy and poverty that is seemingly endless and hugely damaging to society. There's much more to add, but this is the reality, you know, uh, in you know, in few words depicted uh, by His Holiness in in many of his you know addresses. It seems to be that all of these issues are, are sort of intertwined with one another. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. the 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 idea of migrants coming to our countries and taking over our jobs and all of these things. Yeah. Right, you've got to realize what the root cause of the, that problem is. If these people had, if these people had the livelihood, if they weren't forced into a war yeah. that they didn't want, yeah. they would not be coming to your, you know, to your doors, or you know, to, they won't be coming to any European countries. Mm-hmm. They have they they have better weather. They have better yeah. crops. You know they enjoy the they they enjoyed the lives there. Yeah. So I think the the consequence of uh, you know um, injustice that we see around the world mm-hmm. and especially what's happening now in the Middle Middle East. Yes. Yes. It's it's uh, it's heart wrenching to you know to be honest mm. with you and we don't know what to do and and this is a time where leaders Muslim leaders not just Muslim leaders but other leaders have to come together and think as a whole for the you know for the uh, entire humanity. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, as as we are coming towards at the end of the first hour, um, we, as I mentioned earlier, we did ask a question to our listeners: Is um, are you worried about global warming? Um, I was hoping for a hundred percent answer, but only eighty six percent said um, yes, and fourteen percent said no. And those fourteen percent, I recommend l- listen to our show again today, <laughs> and hopefully you would have changed your mind by now. Um, So yeah, definitely something which is uh, very important, something that all human beings need to uh, take interest in and uh, need to remind, because you see the responsibility lies with those in in the offices, uh, those that are in in places of authority, but it also lies with the the the, the common uh, population to remind. uh the those uh, with with power that we need to bring about change and this needs to happen as soon as possible um brother he was was uh, beautifully mentioning in regards to justice um and uh, we do have a clip to play for our listeners uh of the fifth caliph of the md muslim community the worldwide head mirza masrur ahmed Uh, Mela struck in his hand, um, and he again spoke about justice in an unjust world. And let's have a listen to this, which will also take us towards the end of the show. Please do come back um, after the news break. Here is the clip. In the name of Allah, the Gracious, Ever Merciful, all the distinguished. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Peace and blessing of Allah be upon you all. Today, the world around us is constantly evolving and advancing. Unquestionably, in the past few decades, the world has moved forward in leaps and bounds in terms of technological development. Every day, new forms of modern technology. and scientific advancement are being developed progress is being made in many spheres of our life for example modern form of communication and electronics 
are continually progressing at a rapid rate. The research and development taking place is bringing ease and comfort to our daily lives. This proves that human beings have been able to use their intelligence and minds to move forward and to increase productivity, efficiency and personal comfort. However, it is a cause of deep regret that at a time when humanity is progressing at such a rapid pace, it is also moving further apart and becoming increasingly divided. The peace and stability of the world is being jeopardized and put at risk on a daily basis. In some countries, the leaders and governments are failing to fulfill the rights of their people and are inflicting grave cruelties and injustices upon them. In response, members of the public are rising up in opposition and so rebel groups have formed. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim in the name of Allah the most gracious of merciful assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all welcome back um, to the second hour of today's drive time show here from the voice of Islam radio you're joined by myself Salman and brother Raheel um, in the first hour today we discussed uh, the topic of climate change and global warming and as promised in the second hour we shall continue um, with our series of prophets of Allah the Almighty. I uh, mistakenly earlier mentioned the Prophet Moses والسلام, which we are not discussing today um, but it will happen uh, in the coming weeks. Today we are speaking about the Prophet Ibrahim والسلام, the Prophet Abraham. Um, previously uh, to start this series we spoke about uh, Prophet Adam والسلام, and uh, Adam how he has been mentioned in uh, the Bible and how he's been portrayed in the Holy Quran and uh, the reality of some of the things that are described in, 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 in these holy books. So, as I said, um, today is about Prophet Ibrahim, Ibrahim والسلام. So, we are talking about a Prophet who plays a prominent role um, in not only one religion but three so he was uh, a role model and was renowned in Judaism in Christianity as well as in Islam and um, this is why we are speaking about him he's also known as the father of religions now um, you you may be wondering why we want to discuss a prophet so far back in history. What, what does a prophet, um, what does Prophet Abraham have to do um, with this uh, modern technology infused world really? What does a humble prophet have to do with the society of today? Well, the reason we want to talk about Prophet Abraham, may peace be upon him, is because he is so influential, uh, not just to one religion, but three 
we want to learn what was so special about him and we want to learn how different faiths view this great prophet of Allah the almighty um now with the backdrop uh, backdrop of the continual quest most individuals face on a daily basis to figure out who you are understand your purpose and where you come from the followers of the three major religions of the world christianity judaism and islam can proudly claim to share a common spiritual ancestor prophet abraham alayhisalam may peace be upon him so sit back maybe grab a cup of uh, cup of uh, tea or coffee and get ready to spend the next hour navigating through the biblical and quranic narratives to understand this wonderful prophet um as always we also um uh want to remind our listeners our dear listeners that this is a live program which means that you can call us and you can get involved our number to call is 0208687 or you can tweet us or dm us on our social uh socials which is at uh voice of islam uk um so just to give you a little introduction um uh, about prophet ibrahim alayhi salam uh he plays a prominent role um as i said earlier in in all three major religions he's also known as the father of religions um as these three religions uh, stemmed from him his people were devoted uh, to uh idolatry and he was commissioned by god to announce the reality and unity of god and to preach to his people to abandon the worship of idols um although his name was uh, abram as it is mentioned in in the bible uh, when he reached the age of 99 years the bible records that god said to him i am god almighty walk before me and be blameless i will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers um abram fell face down this is all mentioned in the bible and god said to him as for me this is my covenant with you you will be the father of many nations you, no longer will you be called abram your name will be abraham for i have made you father of many nations that's mentioned um in genesis 17:1 to 5 quickly want to add something sure if, if, yeah yeah go ahead so interestingly you know that 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 the name that you mentioned about um abram mm. there's an in- in- interesting um point mentioned by his holiness the second caliph of the andalusian community he said interestingly the the word abraham is is said to come from abram mm-hmm. or abrama in arabic yeah. meaning that one who reinforces something mm-hmm. so abram he said is a good speaker and a debater who can explain his meaning to others and render them speechless Wow. The word found in Hebrew is also used in the Bible although it is originally Arabic and he and as a Muslim basically uh, who's the second caliph of the Muslim community argued in his commentary of the Quran um that Allah causes caused Ibrahim uh may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him to be named so by his father thereby pointing to a hidden prophecy that he would possess great oratory skill expressing his views in front of his opponents with such excellence that they would be rendered incapable of retort and we have an example of that in the Quran right Absolutely. and we'll come to that uh, later on of course just wanted to add just wanted to add that little oh, you point. know um, perfect amazing and not uh, this again i mean i mean so much love with the mm. um uh, exegesis of the second caliph yeah 
whenever you read this right and so much depth so much depth mm-hmm. so much knowledge and and in so many points and you you cannot deny and you have to admit that this has to be divinely guided yeah because some of the points are just so amazing and it also tells you the the ocean of knowledge that that man had and 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 the grasp he had i mean in in, in this just uh, one small sentence which you just mentioned we are speaking about hebrew arabic and um so many other languages right and this just tells us the 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 ocean of knowledge he had um from an islamic point of view uh every celebration every command has a purpose a deep philosophy and benefit for the whole of mankind nothing is done as um just a ritual or just to fulfill a traditional custom the purpose of our life as described by the holy quran is to worship god and to achieve a communion with him and all teachings and practices of islam are therefore directed towards achieving the subjective and why i just mentioned this is because there is a specific celebration that we have called eid al adha amrahil why don't you talk about this a little bit yeah of course i mean the sacrifice uh, the muslim festival of eid al adha is is um is no uh, is no exception um I mean in as you're mentioning in Islam every celebration every command has a purpose in you know, a deep philosophy mm. and benefit for the whole of mankind nothing is done as a ritual only or just to fulfill a traditional custom the purpose of our life uh, as described by the holy quran is to worship god and to achieve uh, as you were mentioning communion with him um so coming to this you know the the festival of of Eid al-Adha which is known as festival of sacrifice is 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 no exception in fact it teaches us uh, one of the most fundamental lessons in our struggle to achieve nearness to god and that is sacrifice is essential to meet god and it reminds us uh, of the great sacrifice offered by uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam who lived over 4000 years ago in the country known as uh, Iraq He married a lady called Sarah. You all know the story. But for many years they did not, you know, conceive any children. Meanwhile, due to persecution by his own people and to spread his message of unity of God to others, Abraham alayhi salam, who by this time had reached the age of 75 years by by uh, was commanded to uh, was commanded by God to migrate uh, together with a few uh, selected followers including his you know, nephew uh lot alayhi salam he traveled through a number of countries including iraq palestine and egypt and worked hard to propagate the unity of god whilst in egypt he came to notice of the king who was duly impressed by abraham and the king offered him presents uh, and also a royal lady by the name of hagar as you know right to him so this is a brief uh you know um understanding of a brief explanation of the sacrifice and also much more to to discuss here about Hazrat Abraham and his relationship with Hazrat uh, Hajra as 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 we know in in the Arabic language yeah but I think before that I do want to add um another point this mm. is also from his his uh, his holiness the second uh, caliph of the you know of the Muslim community speaking about Abraham as uh, Ibrahim alayhi salam mm-hmm. he mentions um he mentions that um you know uh you know talk talking of talk talking about um you know the the the, the, the sacrifice of Ibrahim alayhi salam when he left his son and his wife you know um in the holy city of makkah mm. when nearly 4000 years ago um you know the great patriarch he's called was the son of tera his father passed away when he was young and his uncle azar subsequently raised him this from tafsir kabir volume 7195 he says it is worth worth remembering that whenever the holy quran mentions as ibrahim's father it it, me- it means 
his foster father, his uncle, as the word abun also means uncle in the Arabic language. Right. And then he adds, and then he, you know, of course, explains where he came from. He was born in Ur, present-day Iraq, and lived there, but migrated by the command of God. And um, it, it, it is, he says, difficult to determine exactly when he lived, but according to the Muslim's calculations, has Abraham's advent was about 2,200 to 2,500 years before the Holy Prophet, uh, so about 4,000 years as we mm. know now. Yeah. And then he sh- and since he is also the progenitor of two great peoples, the the, Isma- uh, the is- Israelites and the Ishmaelites, who consider him a venerated personality, has Abraham's real name, as I was mentioning, was Ab- Abraham. And you know, um, after his birth, it, uh, after the birth of his Ishmael, um, per Allah's command, he came to be called Abraham, yeah. uh, which means father of multitude or father of many nations, as we know. You know, yeah. this is from Hakaik al Furqan, Volume Four, Page Four One Two. This is one of the things I wanted to add. Um, so I think no, uh, instead of going into too many details yeah. of what happened. If we were just to give a, 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 a brief uh, narration of, of what happened and why the Muslims in today's day and age are celebrating um, the Eid al-Adha. Mm-hmm. So at a very late stage in life, he was actually given um, children. So the Prophet Ibrahim did actually not have any children uh, before turning, uh, before uh, becoming very old. And it is mentioned in the Holy Quran that he was told by the Almighty that you will now mm-hmm. um, have children. And uh, he, he was surprised, as well as, well as his wife. Yep. That, uh, I mean, how, how is this uh, supposed to happen at, at this age? But Allah mm-hmm. the Almighty said, well, uh, we, we do as, as we wish, right? Mm-hmm. And then he was giving, uh, given um, uh, Ismail alayhi salatu wasalam, um, Ishaq alayhi salatu wasalam. And then there comes another point where Allah the Almighty has shown him uh, in his dream that he is uh, slaughtering his his son, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, slaughtering is the right word, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, in the Arafi Manami, that day, and 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 then he goes on to uh, speak with his son Ismail Salam, that my son in the Arafi Manami, I, I have seen in in, in my dream uh, that I am slaughtering you. So, what's your take on that, really? Mm. And uh, Ismail Salam says, um, "Do as you have been told." And you will find me um, one of the obedient ones, really. Yeah. Right. And uh, so this is how it went on. And uh, he then took Ismail to a certain place where he was to be slaughtered. And he took out that, I mean, a knife or whatever um, was used at in in, mm. in those time to 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 slaughter. And when he was about to go ahead with it, this is when Allah the Almighty. Uh, then spoke with him again and said, look, this was a, a test for you and mm-hmm. uh, you have been successful in this and uh, you shall now uh, instead uh, sacrifice or slaughter such and such mm-hmm. animal. So this was a a, a, an, a, a prime example mm-hmm. of the obedience of Allah and that shows us Muslims and really all religions um, across the board yeah. that it is um, a a, a sort of death a spiritual death yeah that uh, requires in in order to be um to have a union with Allah the almighty we should be willing to sacrifice everything we have yeah i mean if any parents today were given the option between giving up their life or their children's life they would give up their lives first 
yeah. b- before harming their own children. So yeah. in this prime example, <coughs> and that's that's not just the only example really of of sacrifice because at another uh, <coughs> place. Uh, one, of, one of the beautiful points, uh, sorry, Salman, for in, in, in interjection. Yeah, 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 go ahead. That's mentioned by the Prophet Sosaya, uh, the founder of the Al Muslim community, about specifically about this incident. Mm. He says that the one who um, readily accepts trials in the way of Allah yeah. is the one that's taken out of it. Yeah, exactly. Right. So if you're if 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 you're if you're willing and you're you know and he gives he gives this very example that that you know that. The, that they were also the example of being, you know, th- being being thrown into the fire, mm. right? Mm. That that Allah saves him who is willing to be yes thrown yes. into the fire, yes. and this 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 shows his, uh, you know, support and his 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 protection, but it also cements the loyalty uh, and the level of faith that that individual that that person has, and you see, I I actually visited. Um, uh, Palestine a few few years ago, yes, right, yes. the land of prophets, and you 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 actually feel it, right? Now vi- uh, after visiting, uh, of course, Makkah and Medina, which is very close to our hearts, uh, you know, um, the closest place to our hearts, of course. This uh, I had I had visited, um, you know, I mean, there's nothing like it. The feeling of visiting Makkah and Medina, there's no feeling that can be described to it. But also, I, I, I would say equally, one who visits visits, uh, you know, that land of mm. prophets. Mm. You feel it in the air. I don't know how to explain it to you. You know, you mm. feel it in the air that blessed people have walked the earth here, right? right? There right. is tension there. Of course, we know now it's it's even worse. But yes. when we were there in Jerusalem and stuff, you feel the tension in the air. But there is some sort of serenity there. Mm. You feel it that mm. this is not you know this is not a land of normal people. Yeah, you know that yeah. that 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 prophets have walked the earth here. Um, so I think it goes to show. And one of the things that we while we were on the tour. And, and and you know one one of the things I was I was mentioning is one one of the thoughts that I had was that look so many years four thousand years later a person is alive in the hearts and minds of people yeah based on the fact that he was loyal to God mm-hmm. right he probably didn't have a car to you know to go from A to B yes he had to walk and you know go through all these different trials all the prophet peace be upon him when when I was traveling from Makkah to Medina yeah. on 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 a fast train which took me 2 hours or something mm. which at the time probably taken 10 11 or 12 days for them to yeah you know all that hardship for the sake of god mm. yet they are the ones that are remembered mm. they are the ones that are alive in people's hearts and minds and you know so this is it, go, it goes on to show and, and and I think this this was the this was some, something for all all of us who visited and, and and we were saying this look years and you know we will be gone There'll mm. be people after us visiting these lands and coming here to pay their respects yes. and you know praying for these prophets. So I think it's it's uh, it's a reminder for us that you know in 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 the limited time that we have, mm. uh, do something that that truly uh, you know um, makes make you live in the hearts and minds of people. And well, one thing that um, amazes me and inspires me every time I read the Holy Quran is just one verse: mm-hmm. Ibrahim al Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is God Himself Testifying. bearing witness mm. that uh, Ibrahim um, was actually um, someone who was loyal, right? I mean, how amazing is that? We, those that follow Islam or any other religion uh, and, and really want to strive towards it, this is something um, that would be the, the, the peak of of spirituality for for any of us where Allah the Almighty himself is testifying that look this is a man 
who was loyal to me right and it speaks volumes about his character yeah. and i mean obviously we we have been told some stories through the bible and the holy quran but there must have been so many more as yeah. as as every prophet of allah the almighty goes through different hardships on on, on a daily basis really no doubt um so we we did mention the uh the incidents of of um him seeing um his his uh, son being slaughtered in in a dream mm. Something that happened a little earlier was when Ismail alayhi salatu wasalam, peace be upon him, his son, was a year or two old and God told Ibrahim alayhi salam that the time of the sacrifice had arrived and that he should take his wife and his son mm. uh, to Arabia. And Ibrahim alayhi salam was directed to take them to a place where the city of Makkah is situated today. But at that time, yep. the place was a desert. without any water food or population it was only populated by wild animals right mm-hmm. and ibrahim brought them there to to the spot revealed to him by god the only provision he could bring to them were a bag of dates and a skin of water yeah um he knew that leaving his wife and child in the desert was uh, i mean was basically certain destruction there was no way out but mm-hmm. that was the sacrifice demand, demanded by allah almighty So uh, it is also mentioned in uh, various uh, uh, narrations that um, when he left his wife and child there and his wife asked him that why are you doing this mm. um he pointed towards the sky mm. and that was enough for her as well to understand I mean that 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 that, that amazes me again um, and Uh, you know how they say that behind every successful man there is a woman hmm. when we look at the why um, at the lives of 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 these great prophets you will see most of the times at least that there was a very pious and obedient woman that has always stood by the side of the prophet hmm. and similarly even in today's day and age no one can improve uh, from a worldly perspective hmm. as well as from a spiritual perspective if they don't have a good partner right mm-hmm. the A, a husband can <coughs> can can bring all the positives in a wife's life and vice versa the the wife can make such a difference in a husband's life so uh, such was the case of hajra alayhi salatu wasalam as well that she was content because it was the will of allah the almighty um so then uh, obviously uh, it is mentioned that um <coughs> uh, there was no water there was no food mm. and then we have the 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 sa'i uh, uh yeah. between uh, safa and marwa again um without going into too many details because um i don't want our listeners to maybe get trapped into that but just to give an idea that there was nothing and then allah the almighty brought up some water yeah. uh, which is today known as uh, the 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 uh, zamzam Yeah. Uh the the well of Zamzam really um, yeah. where even today uh Muslims from across the globe are benefiting from and it is known as as um very blessed water yeah. if if I could say that. Um and then obviously uh after that as I was mentioning earlier came the time when he um went on to slaughter his son. Mm. uh which then led to the muslims today celebrating the uh, izul azha um which means the uh, maid the celebration of the sacrifice and uh, we sacrifice animals across the globe and i think all of our listeners are aware of that um now 
the the sacrifice itself is is obviously not 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 forgotten. Right? Islam makes it uh, obligatory that um, circumstances permitting every Muslim should perform pilgrimage once during their lifetime and offer the sacrifice of an animal. Yeah. On an animal basis, <coughs> the sacrifice of an animal is uh, obligatory on every Muslim who can afford it. But we must understand the the motive and the spirit behind this sacrifice mm. to make it fruitful and. The promised Messiah, Alaihissalam, states um, that the the uh, flesh mm. and the meat of, of of these animals is is not getting to Allah the, Allah the Almighty. Mm. What is getting to him, or what is reaching him, is our intentions and our practices. Mm. So it doesn't just mean that Muslims should be slaughtering a, an animal every year, and that is it. And that they can do all the wrong uh, after that or before that. Mm-hmm. Rather, it means that we need to be living a life um, on the footsteps of uh, the Prophet Ibrahim. Yeah, I think it's, 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 it's. I think you were alluding to the verse of the Quran where Allah says, "Exactly." That that it, it is only righteousness it, that that reaches him. It's not the blood or the yes. the flesh of the animal. Um, and and I think this practice is 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 only in the Islamic faith, if you really think about it, which is which is continued to do to uh, you know to this day. Uh, but one of the things you're mentioning about um, you know the the travel of Hazrat Ibrahim from Iraq to 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 Mecca, if you if you think about it, is 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 based on an in, uh, is based on a vision or is 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 based on an instruction from Allah the Almighty. And Tronsayas says, calls it the trial of Abraham, and he says, reflect over the trial of Abraham when he was ordered to take his wife and child a distant land away from Canaan. He took his family to the place where Mecca is now situated, a place where there was neither food nor drink. And upon reaching this land, he said, oh Allah, I'm leaving my offspring in a place where there's no food or drink. Uh, Sarah radiallahu anha wanted Ishmael salam to die somehow, for she was the one who told Abraham to leave them in such, such a land. Although Abraham took offense to this, God instructed him to do as Sarah had said, mm-hmm. but not because he preferred Sarah. In fact, Sarah had expelled uh, Hajra Hagar anha, previously as well, and at the time, mm-hmm. an angel, you know, uh, spoke to her. So he just he goes on to speak on this on 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 on, the, on this trial, and 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 he says that the purpose in narrating the story is to demonstrate that this is the manner in which God Almighty manifests the marvels of His power in places that are empty of even food and drink, as such. The first wonder of God was the water He provided. You know, He says, "Know that Allah is now quickening the earth after His death." Um, and then He says, "This is that is to say, the water given to Hajra Hagar endowed life to Ishmael, but the water belonging to a Holy Prophet gave life to an entire mankind." So the intent is to elaborate that where no physical means existed, Allah the Exalted provided a means for their deliverance. And Allah the Exalted states that heaven and earth exist by His command. And now, you were mentioning the Sa'id, the running between um, the, you know, the two ma- ma- mountains, between uh, Safa and Marwa, yeah. right? The Safa and Marwa mountains. Yeah. God has made that part of pilgrimage. Mm-hmm. That is something that's part of pilgrimage. Your, your pilgrimage is not complete without performing the the Sa'id and you know, the the pro- you know the performing the running between um, you know these two. And I tell you, it's 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 some walk. Mm. It's some walk, uh, you know, um, and uh, you know, s- people, you know, s- s- even of our age, you know, who are who, who consider themselves young, mm. you you really feel it, and and especially in those days, you know, circumstances, what the mother was going through. So it goes to show again, re- uh, you know, re- uh, you know, emphasizing, reiterating the point of 
living for God and dying for God yeah. would would you know would always be worth it. And that's the that's the whole message that we get from the lives of these you know prophets. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, um, if we are to understand this in in, in today's terms, yeah. Um, the sacrifice that we are being asked to make as as Muslims specifically are nowhere near of of that extent mm-hmm. right but despite that somehow we we fail to do so mm. at times um whereas the prophets of Allah have shown us that look this is how it's done yeah um and this is the extent you must go to in order to achieve nearness of Allah the Almighty mm. but in today's day and age i mean if 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 we talk about um, i mean the everyday muslim yeah all you are really asked to do is be nice offer your five daily prayers uh take care of parents children neighbors right? yeah that's that's pretty much it that there, there is no i mean uh, i'd say crazy in in uh, uh ultimate sacrifice you know what i mean there is no such condition despite that if we are failing to do so we are failing to reach the nearness of Allah the Almighty because of that that's obviously something which is very worrying it is but i i i must tell you i think um, there's a hadith of the prophet where where he mentioned that there's not a prophet who hasn't um, you know warned us against the jal right yes yes um, the greatest manipulator the liar you yeah, know yeah. although our muslim brothers some some uh, you know others who are waiting for this literal return of a monster with one eye yeah. right um yeah. whereas this is not the understanding of the ahmadiyya muslim community right we re- we refer to it um, as a system which is has already done enough damage look mm-hmm. around you right look look around you what's happening to the muslim 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 world yeah um and 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 so the prophet peace be upon him also you know speaking of eschatology and the end, end of times he's also he also spoke of of, of a time when he'll be you know it'll, the, you know holding on to your faith he said will be as if you're holding on to a hot coal mm, mm. right so it goes on to show that the trial is so huge in these last days when and what's around us yeah um you know to 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 be very blunt with you the reward is also e- e- equally higher yes. and this is what the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that the plane of righteousness is empty mm, mm. the plane of righteousness is empty yes. and so come to it mm, right it mm. is you know you know if 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 nobody is you know he's saying it's you know this cuz it refers to as as an easy bargain yes, in yes. in a, in a way right mm. and so this this is the thing of course you're right in in the sense that we're not asked to do ultimate sacrifice like like companions how they would vie with one another in good deeds mm. in terms of standing in the entirety of night fasting for day and night they have to go out to do you know physical jihad mm. right mm. which was forced upon them yes we're not we're, we're not we're not asked to do that yeah that's not the requirement of time yes. right but again this the the trial of ours in this day and age is also uh, you know we uh, it's it's no less mm-hmm. because it's sort of an internal trial it's not an external trial that's true. That's it's true. more of an internal trial which 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 is often time is just is between you and god only god knows what what you're doing and what you're going through Absolutely. and you can have this well you know um to show people what it is but the reality uh, you know is 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 known by the almighty absolutely i mean that that reminds me of 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 a hadith uh, of of uh, sahih muslim where it is mentioned that when the verses of the quran were revealed illahi ma fi samawati wa ma fi al ard wa tubdu ma fi anfusikum wa tukhfuhu yahsibukum bihi 
that um, it is for Allah what is whatever is in the heavens and the earth mm. and whatever you hide or whatever you show Allah mm. Ta'ala will hold you accountable for that so it says in in in, in this narration in this hadith that uh, the sahaba the companions came to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and they said um we are offering our prayers we are giving our zakat we are doing uh, our, our, the 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 obligatory fasting yeah. so what's this now yeah. now we also being uh, held accountable for what's inside our, <laughs> ourselves right so they they were not complaining mm-hmm. but they always had the urge to really um satisfy allah the almighty as much as they can mm. to 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 the ultimate extent right yeah um that again there is another very famous hadith where yeah. uh, some of the uh, poorer companions came to prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and they said look the 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 ones well off yeah. they they are giving in the way of allah and uh, yeah. through that they are gaining all the blessings what can we do and so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam told them that look you, you can read the uh, subhanallah alhamdulillah allah mm. and they started doing this and then this uh, message this this news spread towards the ones that that were that were, uh, well off and then they started doing this as well and then they went again again complaining to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam that now they're doing this as well so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said look this is only as much as i could give you mm. but ultimately what i'm trying to say is that the if we speak about the companions of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam they were always after every single a uh, blessing that they could possibly get so the point is what was their concern yeah their concern was not the world that, exactly. that, that that's what we're trying to and, and and as beautifully mentioned by two hadith and you see it, it goes in line with that um, you know that the first hadith that bukhari put it in very simple hadith every child knows it inna wal amalu bin niyat that 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 you know your actions are judged by intentions and that, yeah. that's why the quran says awailul lil musallin that there are some um some worshipers you know curse be upon certain worshipers yes. you know alladhina hum salatihim sahun walladhina hum yuraun those who just show, show that we're yeah. praying right yes. just to show others that we're praying so it goes into it, go, it goes to show that um you know you have to, ikhlas is the word that we use right mm. um that we we you know we 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 have to be honest mm. in our uh, we have to be sincere you know in our worship towards god but yeah i mean we've gone away from the topic but let, let's come back to Let's come back to Hazrat Ibrahim, you mm. know, specifically. We, you know, he we know that he visited Makkah several times where he had left Hazrat Ismail, you know, from whom descendants uh, you know, descendants the seed of the prophets, the holy prophet was born, the progeny of Hazrat, you know, Ishaq, um Isaac as he's known the second son of Hazrat Ibrahim also multiplied exceedingly. And from them arose, you know, prophets such as Moses, David, Ezekiel, Daniel, Jesus and many more. Mm. And mm. hence he's is he's called you know abul anbiya yeah and a very blessed fair figure in the you know in the indian annals of his history as we know um the quran you know a few verses i i, I want to present where allah the almighty speaks about um the special station in history of az ibrahim and it says inni ja'iluka lin-nasi imam in surah al-baqara mm-hmm. chapter 2 verse 125 allah says i will make thee a leader of men mm right uh, consequently in many parts of the world he's considered an imam and is remembered with great respect um, and then he says the ideal and eternal example of this are muslims whom uh, you know allah commands ittabi millata ibrahim hanifa yeah. right it says in surah nahl chapter 16:124 follow the way of abraham who was ever inclined to god and now the beauty of it this you know is that islam the word islam you know mm. uh, is and, and and we believe in this that it's not something which originated with the holy prophet peace be upon him we said it's the continuation which was given to us at 
Adam alayhi salatu wasallam right uh, one who totally annihilates his, himself and submits to the will of god mm. then allah says qad kanat lakum uswatun hasana fi ibrahim in surah al mumtahana this is chapter 60, 60 verse 5 it says there is a good model for you in abraham mm. and mm. then there are numerous examples and i was mentioning with regards to the um, the great oratory and argumentation uh, you know and longing for the establishment of 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 divine unity of um, you know has ibrahim alayhi salam yeah. and the example is mentioned in surah al-baqarah chapter 2 verse 259 when it says um you know his about his unique style of speech mm. it says has has thou not heard of him who disputed with abraham about his lord mm. because allah had given him kingdom so this yeah. was a king at the time yes. when abraham said my lord is he who gives life and causes death mm. he said i also give life and cause death abraham said well allah brings a son from the east bring it thou from the west mm. there upon the infidel was dumbfounded mm. and the words of abu hithal ladhi kafar yeah. and allah guides not the just people so it, this is referring to again abraham and the name and as as a muslim or you know he is mentioning the beauty of as and, abraham in in and, silencing the other party you know and i think the, the the beauty of this argument was because the the king was uh, he used to worship the sun yes right <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. so the i mean he says look my god is someone that that brings uh, life and death yeah so the king said well uh, i can do that as, uh, as yeah, well right yeah. and he said well you speak about about my god let's speak about your god hmm. my god brings the sun from this side reverse the cards uh. <laughs> you know what i mean right so yeah because the, now he says that basically my god brings your god out every yeah. morning yeah what can your god do right mm. so th- this is the, the 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 beauty of arguments and uh, mm. explains us uh, in 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 the uh, uh, in the way of tabligh that you have to argue according to the person that is in mm. front of you right so if you're arguing with someone who is a christian or a jew or a muslim or whatever mm. you have to understand his and uh, his his teachings his psyche and then you answer him accordingly Of course one more example is given in surah al-kabut chapter 29 verse verse 18 where it says that you only worship idols beside Allah and you forge a lie those whom you worship beside Allah have no power to provide sustenance for you then then seek sustenance from Allah and and and, and you know this way um, you know these words were very effective because whatever he claimed he proved with with uh, with with uh, you know with his practical example And and it says he showed a practical example of this when he left his wife and child in a barren land, mm-hmm. right? So yes. see how 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 it links in the Quran. Yes, he he only prayed to to Allah to provide for them, and in this way he proved Allah to be the master of sustenance. And his practical example of Allah's magnificence was also, uh, you know, shown when he was thrown into the fire. You know, mm-hmm. as we know, as a lot alayhi salam saw that Ibrahim, who had been passionately preaching Tawheed, wonders of Allah was miraculously saved from the fire. Uh, his people had thrown uh, him in he was among those who 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 accepted him impressed by the personal relationship mm. um has Ab- ibrahim alayhi salam enjoyed with allah and he rose in faith and to the extent that allah Ta'ala also granted him prophethood so this is also mentioned by his um you know hazrat muslim out yeah. in his commentary of volume 7 was uh, you know page 619 so there's so much about this great prophet um you know that we can dis- discuss and of course his his uh, you know his his discussion with his where he says and remember the time when abraham said to his father azar dost thou take idols for god surely i i i see thee and thy people in manifest error mm. and hey allah also hints that ibrahim alayhi salam you know frequently argued with his uncle and detested his polytheism you know from a young age and and it, and, and it reminds me of a statement in arabic it says um an nabiyyu nabiyyu law kana sabiyyu that the prophet is a prophet even if he's a young child yeah, yeah right so even in if even in his infancy he's always speaking of 
you know great things and 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 his character is in line with you know with the the prophetic um you know uh, lineage as Absolutely. as you Absolutely. know as we would say and the way he um brought this message of the unity of god to his father if if we read through those verses in the holy quran mm. we can only see we can also see that he always has kept the the uh, respect in line as well right so whether he was uh, preaching to uh, his father uh, mm. sorry whenever he was preaching to him he always showed him the utmost respect because mm. again this is also what 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 goes uh, with being uh, someone of the standard of a prophet because you will never lose beautiful the, point i love this point that you made why because you know often time someone you hear people saying i say it to the face yeah 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 I say it how it is. Yeah, yeah. Right? That's that's the easiest thing to do. Exactly. And and that I've learned it the hard way mm. in in my life as well. Mm. That you think just uttering anything that comes to your mind is is something very profound. It's not mm. controlling it. Yes. Is profound. Yeah. Controlling your emotions and saying the good word is, you know, and and he's mentioning the most he's mentioning something that he he you know totally disagrees with yes. with someone, right? And yes. also when when abraham uh, when uh, musa alayhi salam goes to fir'aun as well of the dobin speaking of it just come to my mind is example he says waqula lahu qawla layyana that say to him a you know soft a soft word yes. right yes. so this is the, this these are the messages uh, that, that are given to us in the quran and 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 by god if we implement them in our lives we 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 will truly reap benefits of these you know thing within, within our families how we treat yeah. our young ones and yeah. and everything it's beautiful i mean this we i was thinking how we're going to discuss this topic it's just yeah. about ibrahim alayhi salam but there's yeah. so much nuggets that we can pick oh yes and oh yes. and you know definitely impl- uh, definitely implement and, uh, this this uh, speaking a <coughs> soft word i think this is something that really um exemplifies within the amdia community today hmm. um the amdia community <coughs> f- i mean the children at a very young hmm. age are taught to to always be polite to be always nice and this is the only way word can really spread mm. when you try to reach someone uh through being just being respectful and mm. nice if if i start screaming at you as a reaction you will start screaming at me mm. but the argument and the point will just get lost in between somewhere no doubt. right because then egos are clashing yeah. but the actual point just gets lost but when i'm actually being nice to you and I'm being polite and i show compassion and the only reason why we are spreading the word of god is because we have compassion towards all our brethren uh, across the globe whether they come from whatever religion or they don't believe in god at all mm. right but as soon as you become harsh and and uh, again this is uh, something that allah the almighty says to the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the holy quran as well that if you uh, ha- i mean had a sort of strong uh, way of speaking or or, or a harsh if way of speaking harsh, yeah. then these people would go away from you exactly. so, they they would run away from you they would run away from you right so mm. that's exactly how this uh, should happen and again i mean this, this is again something that we can mm. see through our history every prophet has has done it a a certain way for us human beings today to assume that we can do it in a better way mm-hmm. or as as you were rightly mentioning that sometimes you know one thing is that the that the sort of brave thing to do is be loud and be direct and be offensive that's just not the way to do things no uh, no doubt no doubt and the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam once said something really beautiful and, and and I'm paraphrasing this he said he said along the line because a person who's who who's angry cannot utter you know words of wisdom hmm. words hmm. of wisdom cannot come out of his mouth 
Absolutely. Right? And this is something, uh, you know, that's, that's, um, that's evident and, and beautifully mentioned by you as well. But I, I do want to cover, uh, you know, quickly noble attributes of, uh, of Hazrat Ibrahim. If, yes, there's, if, yes, if, yes. if there's not any, anything that we need yeah, to yeah, be left out. Go ahead, go ahead. So, you know, speaking of Hazrat Ibrahim, um, you know, this is from Hazrat Muslim, again, this is from his, his tafsir, tafsir kabir, his, uh, you know, um, his, his commentary of the Quran. He he mentions that speaking of you know Abraham the the Holy Quran declares Inna Ibrahim kana ummatan qanita lillahi hanifa walam yakumin al mushrikin. He says Abraham was indeed a, a paragon of virtue, obedient to Allah, ever inclined to Him, and he was not of those who set up equals to God. Mm. This is from Surah Nahl, chapter sixteen, verse one hundred twenty-one. Then he takes he is given you know six qualities of Abraham from this one verse. Mm. He mm. says one. As Abraham was a teacher of good, he taught the world goodness. Yes. Okay. Then he says, second, he was Jami al Khair, embodiment of good. Allah the Almighty gave him the title of Ummah. Mm. I mean, this meant that he possessed all kinds of moral virtues. Then he's, and the third, he says, his nature hid the forces of tremendous growth from which it was possible to create nations. Yes. So in just that word, Ummah, as you were ummah. mentioning, how many concepts as a Muslim world has taken forward? Yes. He says, who, who, he was Qanit. Do you know what Qanit and He says, he was obedient to Allah and constantly prayed to him. Mm. Then he said, he was Hanif. He had tremendous power and never deviated from the path of truth. Mm. And then the sixth, he said, he was not a polyth- uh, polytheistic yes. and firmly adhered to mon- monotheisms. And and then, he says, then Allah says in the in the following verse, Grateful for his favors, he chose him and guided him to a straight path. Mm-hmm. This is from same Surah Nahal, uh, verse 122, that Abraham was grateful. He did not attribute his vir- his virtues to himself. Yes, usually, right? We we do this. This is because of me. This is because of me. But considered them as blessings bestowed by Allah. As mm-hmm. a result, Allah chose him and showed him the loftiest paths of guidance. So in this in these verses. He, uh, as a Muslim what concludes he says Allah instructs Muslims to adopt the noble attributes of as Ibrahim salam. therefore as a Muslim what says that Allah states that we should be like as Abraham and seek to emulate his qualities the result will be that Allah will treat us as he treated as Abraham right that, that, that that's amazing isn't it mm. and I mean you you, you read <laughs> so we, we read the Holy Quran right mm. And this is why it always says that it is important to have leadership because it is these divinely guided people that bring us the real meanings or, or, or the deeper meanings mm-hmm. of, of these verses. And again, emphasizes the importance of reading the Holy Quran, of, of, of studying mm. um, Holy Scriptures, of, of uh, studying the um, exegesis that are around but by the Promised Messiah, by the Second Caliph, etc., etc. There are so many around. But to be able to appreciate what these um, loyal men of Allah or the, these these loyal men and women really because we were speaking about his wives earlier as well mm. um, they have I mean this the, the family of Ibrahim and I, I, I always speak about this uh, if we speak about just the three individuals right now is Ibrahim Ismail and uh, Hajra alayhi salam right Mm. They have sort of laid out the a picture of a perfect family, no doubt. where everyone is completely obedient to Allah the Almighty, mm. where everyone is willing to sacrifice their lives. I mean, 
if the one is a prophet of Allah the Almighty, Ibrahim والسلام, he's been told that go go sacrifice your son, who is a future prophet as well. Mm. So we can s- say, well, okay, he already already had those prophetic attributes within himself. Yeah. What has the mother of the child to do with this? Mm. Well, she was obviously there, so for her to be fine with this mm. and not make any noise about this and just let this whole thing go ahead, this shows the great great character she had as well. Mm. And only then can you have a progeny like Ismail Salam, Ishaq Salam, and then going further to Yaqub Salam, and then all the way to the Prophet yeah. Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wa Alaihi Wasallam may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Mm-hmm. So we, we did try to summarize today uh, a few points about the Prophet Ibrahim Salam. Yeah. Again, um, there are books, there are many, many chapters written yeah. about him. Um, obviously, and, th- and this is majorly from an Islamic perspective. Because oh yes, of course, in in the Bible and uh, there is slightly a different narrative that w- that will be with regards to who the sacrifice was for, yes. whether it was because they they they, they mention it was Ishaq alayhissalam. But one of the things I would mention mm. about that is this: there's numerous things that one can mention is that it is today that practice of sacrifice is only you know continued in one nation, mm. and that that is the nation of the Holy Prophet. Peace be upon him, so, so, yes. and so that goes to show you that 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 this practice is alive and is living. And every year you see Muslims following this practice yes. in the in the footsteps of um, Hazrat, you know, Ibrahim Islam goes to show that it was actually Hazrat Ishmael, you know, mm. about whom this this uh, you know this sacrifice fire was made made for. Absolutely, and that really speaks volumes about the religion of Islam as well, uh, which lives. Believes in a living God, mm-hmm. which can provide you a with a higher being that is listening to you, yeah. that will reply to your prayers. And again, we I mean we have a multitude of of of, of examples for that. But that's obviously uh, a topic for another day. We are now coming towards the end mm-hmm. of of our show today. Um, our producers uh, for today were Nabahad um, Nayira Sana Nadim and uh, Fahim Nasser. Thank you very much for everyone that has. Mm-hmm. Worked uh, on this behind the scenes. Um, to to the tech team, to our listeners, as always, we can only give you a gist, a summary of a certain topic. But at the end of the day, we would all have to go back and really study for ourselves. No doubt. And uh, it is only through <coughs> studying and making our own opinions about something that we can really step forward and understand. And uh, once we start studying from a non-biased point of view. Everyone seems much nicer and everything seems uh, much um, easier, really, to understand and to comprehend. Really, anything else you would like to say? At the yeah, end? one of the things I was thinking about was um, how the profound character of, of or char- character of this beloved prophet of God, this 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 great man, the father of religions, um, how a belief in him, you know, can really bring about unity. Mm. Among these three religions, yes, which which you see at this moment in time, you know the the, the great chaos that we see either in the Middle East or around the world, were literally the children of these this 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 man, you know, mm. with the progeny of these people. So, you know, despite your differences, despite your you know dis- disagreements, this uh, you know his profound qualities can bring you together. Absolutely, you know, uh, you Absolutely. know these they're referred to as Abrahamic accords, and one. Um, Example that I have seen in my own life mm-hmm. is uh, when I, I mean, in my younger years when I used to live in Germany, um, there was a priest who would organize monthly meetings between Jews, Christians, and Muslims, mm-hmm. and the name was Gathering of the Children of Abraham. 
Yeah. Right. So we all came, uh, and there, there there was no concept of attacking someone or defending. Just children of Abraham were together. We all yeah. shared the love of Abraham. Yeah. Right. We were all together. We just discuss how we can improve our society. Mm-hmm. So this is obviously you're absolutely right. This is a common topic of interest where we could unite if uh, we wanted to. Absolutely, and uh, I think this is what the Quran says um, that uh, say to the people of the book, come to common terms, come to a common kalima. Exactly, right? That we that we you know we 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 worship one God and and basically build you know serve serves as a bridge you know building bridge, mm-hmm. you know that connects three of the uh, world's major religions: Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. And, and and I must mention, there's no such concept in Islam as a religion. Such as anti-Semitism or any and anything of that code, no, it no. it goes di- di- directly opposite to what we're actually discussing today with regards to you know the father of religions. But again, you know, uh, at the end of the day, we have to pray for the Muslim world. What 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 is going to what is going through, um, and you know, may Allah the Almighty grant peace to you know every individual who's going through suffering, especially in Palestine and, you know, these parts of the world. Absolutely. Um, and, and may grant, you know, give, you know, this Muslim leaders to actually get together and, and work for the rights of, you know, uh, Muslims around the world. And that is, of course, very, very important. But we, we, we've actually come to the end of the program now. Yeah. And, uh, you know, as we wrap, wrap up this journey, including the life of Ibrahim, we are left with a profound message. Our faith should be a living testimony to our commitment to God and a willingness to make sacrifices and a reminder that our spiritual heritage unites us more than it divides us. The story of Abraham resonates across the ages, you know, offering timeless wisdom and a path towards unity, peace and understanding among all of God's children. And lastly, thank you, you know, for joining us in this, you know, exploration of a, you know, prophet of God who stands as a, you know, beacon of faith for you for humanity absolutely thank you very much and we hope to uh, that you join us tomorrow again uh, till then assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh may peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all